Oh, thank you guys. Thank you for the welcome. Um, I don't have, like the last couple of weeks, we've had some amazing graphics behind us on this huge screen, which has been amazing. I'm not really, I'm not good at getting all the stuff that whirls around in my head onto paper, never mind on screen as well. So I, I do need to get better at that. Um, but like Matt said, take notes. I lose concentration, I lose flow unless I take notes, whether it's on your phone or notepad and pen. It just helps you to zone in. I'm also one of those people where I'll be in a meeting, I'll be like, oh, God, re God really spoke, that was significant, and then I'll go out and forget whatever it was. If you write down three things in every church service, I'm convinced that God can then use that a lot more in your week because it's sunk in a little bit more. So this morning... Um, we're going to look at a little story in Luke 19. And the other week when Matt was preaching, he went old school, like Sunday school, little song, didn't you? Wise men built his house upon a rock. I've got one. I don't know who remembers this. But now Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He climbed into a sycamore tree for the Saviour. He wanted to see for the Saviour. He wanted to see and when the saviour passed that way he looked into the tree and said now Zacchaeus you come down because I'm coming to your house for tea I'm coming to your house for tea that is basically the story of of Zacchaeus I don't know how often it gets talked about in church because it's so in, embroiled in my mind from Sunday school that I always feel like it's a really well-known story but it might not be so it's the beginning of Luke 19 and I will read the verses even though you've just had a summary of the story right there and it says this and this is Luke 19 verses 1 through to 10 Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man there by the name of a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And then the second part, which is not mentioned in the Sunday school song, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So for context, Zacchaeus was working for the Roman government who were hated by the Jews. The Jews were just like anything to do with the Roman Empire is awful because this should be the promised land and the Romans have come and taken it over. And he was a tax collector, which meant that he didn't just represent them, but he would have filled his own pockets as well. So in the New Testament, the tax collectors are like bottom row of society, scum of the earth, most despised of all people. And yet in this story, we see this little guy who was so excited to see Jesus that he was willing to put himself out there. I imagine that on a daily basis in the society he lived in, it was probably in his best interest just to, you know, blend in. It's probably good that he was short, that he didn't draw much attention to himself because everybody hated him. But Jesus came onto the scene and what does he do? He puts himself out there, he climbs up, he's exposed, he's in a bit of a dangerous place. But it, he considered it worth it just to meet Jesus. And apparently Jesus considered it worth it too, just to meet him. So 
This morning, we are talking about this element that Zaki has had, which is curiosity. Um, and talking about how we want to be a community of curiosity. And this is building on the last few weeks of the stuff that we've talked about. Um, it's, it's kind of a buzzword. You know when um, stuff keeps coming up and then I like how God repeats himself a lot. So um, about a year ago, as part of the stuff I was doing at college, we had to write down our values, like what really matters to you, what drives you, what grounds you. And I thought of a few like integrity and self and you've got to be behind the scenes who you are up front. But another one that came up for me was curiosity. Like that idea of always learning, always finding out more, always looking at stuff and thinking, gosh, I wonder what fuels that or what the history behind that is or where that's motivated from. And I think I like to be around curious people as well. And by curious, I mean, they're good at asking questions instead of trying to give you their opinion on what they think is right all the time. Okay. In my mind, opinionated and curious are probably two polar opposites. So we've got to ask ourselves as Christians, is curiosity a good thing or a bad thing? Because curiosity does have a bad rap, doesn't it? There's that phrase, curiosity kill the cat. If you know what that means, come and tell me, because I'm curious about where that came from. don't really understand it. Um, but it's also something that we cannot get away from that actually has had a massive impact on us. If you put people there and he said, you can eat from this tree, but you can't eat from that tree. What did humans do? Oh, we like eating from this tree, but we want to know why we can't eat from that tree. And they go and they eat and they get the knowledge of good and evil. So curiosity led them to that. And the price for that actually was curiosity. We now know things about lots and lots of different things, but that means that we are always chasing. We're always looking for, we're always peeking under stuff that we shouldn't peek under or running down paths we shouldn't go down or messing with stuff that is not good for us. So curiosity can definitely be bad for us as humans. And yet it is an integral part of who we are, an integral part of how God created us. And also it was the thing that God offered us. God offered us a choice. Do you want to be the kind of people who are curious, who want to experience and know these things? And so in some ways it was a gift, even though the price was very high, it's still something that God allows us to have in our life. So our job is how do we handle that well? Well, think about if we weren't curious, I don't think any of us would be here today. If we didn't have big questions about God, about community, about the purpose of life, if we felt like we had it all um, tied up in a bow, we'd go away, we'd read the Bible once, we'd maybe go to a couple of classes on what it means to be a Christian and we'd be done. But curiosity is a driving force all the time that says, what should this look like and how does this tie in with this and why does it say that in the Bible and how come God asks us to do this but my, internally I'd rather do something else. Curiosity drives us to God and it drives us to one another. Even when the Bible talks about sin, God puts certain things in place early on because he knows that our curiosity means that we want to try stuff out. So he kind of puts in boundaries that say, um, like sexual ethics, for example, don't do this because once you've done it, it's too late to 
undo it. So I'm going to tell you now, don't go there. Don't go there with kind of mixing what you know with what other people have got and trying to come up with your own religion. Don't mix it with stuff that's going to damage someone else or going to uh, impact someone else in a negative way. He definitely put boundaries in place, but he's also a God of conversation. He didn't just give us a rule book. He gave us a story. He showed us people that were living lives, some of whom went and messed with the stuff that God had put boundaries on so that we can then come to it later on and go, ah, that's why. That's that's why, that's what's going to happen further down the line if I mess with that. He also, you, we can see all the way through the word of God, he takes people on a journey. And very rarely does he give them, if ever, I say rarely, it might not be ever, a very distinct plan of this is exactly what it's going to look like. He might say, you're on the way to the promised land, but people then still had to take step by step of like waking up in the morning and going, oh, there's a pillar of cloud here. That means we're staying here today. Or, oh, the pillar of cloud has moved. Today we're getting up camp and we are going that way. And God used stuff like that all the way through his word to show people what the next step is. So it might be a pillar of cloud. It might be shipwreck. It might be that um, he calls someone to be a king one day and then they end up being an outlaw in a cave and then they do become king and then they become an outlaw in a cave again. Like the journey is like this the whole time. So we have to stay curious so that we stay engaged in whatever this plan looks like. And the relationship we can have with God because of what Jesus has done, and that's what Will talked about this morning when we had communion, is that he wants to have that relationship with us like a parent who doesn't just say do this because I said so I mean he's God he could do that if he wants to and there is some stuff in the Bible early on like you look at Exodus and it's just like do this don't do this honor this person stay away from this type of community with not a huge amount of explanation behind it but then he spends the rest of this book unraveling it and when you think about um what it was like with the disciples when they walked with Jesus, it was a conversation all the way through. And um, when you think about how you learn stuff from a parent or a teacher or somebody in authority over you, they might say, don't do this. And particularly if you've got a great relationship with that person and you can have conversation, then you can work that out as you go. If it's like an authoritative, um, this is how it should be done, no questions asked. You only respect what they're saying as long as you respect that person's infallibility. So when we go from being kids to being teenagers and we start to think, oh, maybe my parents aren't perfect and maybe other people know things. If we don't have that dynamic with our parents where we can chat about stuff, we're like, well, you're either right or you're wrong. And I can see this little bit of bit in your life that I don't agree with. So therefore, I'm going to throw the whole thing out. And I think this is where church historically has gone wrong. Uh, back pre-reformation we had a system in church where we people couldn't even read the bible for themselves it was in latin you had to be a priest an ordained priest in order to read the word of god there were leaders who were between god and the people and they were telling the people what the bible said and some of it was correct and some of it was totally not and people just had to believe it but there was no conversation there with God there was no like let's find out why and what what can we find out more about that and um, it's amazing that we're living in a day and age where we've had people that have gone ahead of us and they have said hey let's uh, let's have scriptures in our own language so we can engage with it so we can find out more so we can ask the big questions 
So as church, we're still in early stages really of forming this community. Your journey towards Kingdom Company, for me, it was that I saw Matt and Claire and the other people involved asking all the right questions. So some of the stuff we've already got answers for because it's in the word of God, a lot of stuff we don't necessarily because we're in an ever-changing culture and the questions are how do we take what we see in front of us and marry it with the word of God to find that in between, uh, not that we compromise on the word of God, but how do we apply the word of God into this fresh culture that we are now in and we've never lived in a day and age like this before. So if we're a community that's curious, that asks questions, um, that we can have a kind of relationship with people where we're willing to walk through and talk through stuff that matters to them, how much more can we draw people towards the truth of the word of God because of the way that we frame our conversations? So I remember being, um, I got married young, I was 20 when I got married, and I had grown up with a really good, solid, biblical foundation for relationships and one of those was you pick someone of the same faith as you so that you're heading in the same direction and the other one was sexual ethics it's sex within marriage is blessed by God so save it because it's going to be better um, when it's under God's blessing rather than out of God's blessing now those two things to me because of the kind of person that I am were good enough and I chased around and looked for the different reasons behind it but I could see a heck of a lot of my friends who knew the thing, they knew the, the, the rule as it were, but they didn't really know how to apply the rule because when they found the person that they wanted to be with and all the hormones and the chemicals and you know all that stuff happened, they were like, well, does it matter that he's not following God? Does it matter if we're gonna get married soon anyway? Should we just do this and this in the meantime? And um, a, a group of us young adults, in our early 20s, we put on an event for our church. We called it It's My Life. We got all the girls in one half of the church building, all the lads in the other half of the church building. We had a lot of fun. I remember doing a sex talk in my wedding dress and um, we had just like funny games and things like that. But we tried to answer as young 20-somethings to the 15-year-old um, people in church, like what are all the questions we had as teenagers that we didn't really know who to talk to? like about flirting and how far is too far and image and all this kind of stuff and went to town on it and it was amazing. And the feedback from that, from that next generation of youth coming up was that made all the difference to us moving forward. And it's one of the reasons I still love youth work and I still want to do that every summer. I go to a camp, we talk about all this stuff and it's like, ask anything because we need to wrestle with this stuff together. So, um, as I said before, Jesus models this in the way that he walks with people. We see the religious people in the New Testament, they were trying to trap Jesus and his followers all the time. They were trying to push them into a corner with yes or no questions that were like, are you in or are you out? And they could just write people off if they didn't fit into the box, into the religious box that they'd formed. So they were like, should we be paying taxes to Rome? And then trying to catch him out, whatever his answer was. Um, who sinned? this guy's blind so was it his parents or him that sinned should you be healing on the sabbath and jesus just throws these questions out the window every time which is really funny and really interesting to, to see how he combats that but on the flip side the people that ask jesus the questions he never says that's a stupid question i mean he gets asked a lot of stupid questions but the answers that he gives are like 
wow, they actually expand our understanding of God. They expand our understanding of how the word of God in the Old Testament applies to life in every single generation. It talks about adultery and lust, the little white. And he doesn't say to the woman at the well, for example, who is just rejected by her whole society, why are you speaking to me? He begins talking to her about stuff to the point where she begins to ask more and more questions in her curiosity. And she discovers so much that she's been hoping for and waiting for her whole life. And thankfully, because these conversations are written down, we get to discover more about God as well. So there's this whole thing of Jesus saying, come to me and find out more. I am the water that will quench your thirst. I'm the bread that will, um, you know, that hunger, that, that thing that you're searching for, come to me. We're told when it comes to scripture, you don't just read it and then you walk away and go, I'm done. It says, chew over it, meditate on it, explore, go deeper, wrestle with God. So many examples of people wrestling with God in the Bible, Job and the psalmist and asking the big questions. They're in there for a reason. And it says in Psalm 34 verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, use that curiosity. Let it drive you to God. Let it make you hungry for the word of God. Whatever you're wrestling with, don't be satisfied with the easy answers. So yes, we're going to trust God if he says there's a boundary here, don't go across that boundary. Absolutely, we want to know. Um, sorry, we want to like, trust God in that. But Go do the research. There, I even think it's a religious one. I think it's, it's scientific and it's psychological and it's all to do with pornography. And it talks about how pornography affects your brain, how it affects your relationships and the impact it has on the wider world. So we can see from the sexual ethics that we see in the word of God that a whole bunch of people are saying, nah, that doesn't matter. Do what you want. Free love. Watch what you want. Doesn't hurt anybody. People have gone away and researched it and scientifically said wow, this is having a negative effect on our brains and our relationships and sex trafficking across the world. So let's be people that go, I want to find out more about why God, that's in the Bible, who God is, why he says it, so that we can inform people and journey with people towards the same conclusions that God has already given us. So based on um, the stuff that um, Pete talked about last week, do you remember, um, if you haven't, caught up with it yet it is on the is it on the podcast has a different podcast went out this week that part is coming out later um but he talked about ourselves and our relationship with god and our relationship with others and other people's relationship with god and the impact of those three things and when i thought about curiosity and how we apply that in those three situations curiosity is absolutely necessary to our relationship with god relationship with ourselves a relationship with other people so matt's been talking a lot this year about this future proof walk with God, that God is future proof. So we do not need to fear the future. And so because God is doing a new thing, there's that sense of like, we have to trust God of where he's going. We can't trust God with where he's going unless we're curious about that. So we have to do the work of going, who is God? What does God sound like? Um, when God speaks, what does he say? What are the boundaries that he's already put in? We dig into the word of God to find out who God is and um, his character in here. And we look outward amongst 
each other and society to say, and what is God doing right now? Where is he at work in the world? Where does he want me to join in? Uh, when I was a teenager, I met with God in church. Thankfully, I had an amazing um, like example of who God was and, and church community. So I chose God early on. And I also used to go away to camps and different conferences and go, wow, I'm meeting God in the worship. I'm meeting God in the speaking. So in my 20s, my full force of energy was let's be church, let's run youth events, let's gather people, let's do Sunday services. Um, me and my husband planted a church. We went to Bible college and then we planted a church because I'd seen God at work in gathering people, speaking to people. That's where people meet God. And it's absolutely true. Always will be. There'll, there'll always be that sense of having to gather it's as part of our uh, the way that we meet with God because that's what he says in his word. But what I couldn't imagine at that time was how God could use me beyond that sense of I'm just going to, you know, organize and, and, and speak into and be part of church meetings. And when I found myself in my 30s in a season where I couldn't even physically get to church because I was living in a hospital with my son, uh, me and my husband had to swap over. We did like three and a half days a week each in the hospital and he had Sundays in helping my son fight for his life. NHS staff, doctors, family, and obviously my son. But in terms of my... Um, impact on like helping people find Jesus I remember saying to God I didn't ever think I'd be in a season like this where I feel like my hands are tied and I can't do it and in my mind there was restrictions there because I'd always seen impact done in a certain way what I had no idea was that God was going to use a brand new thing which didn't even exist when like back when I first said yes to God which was um blogs on the internet so I had a blog on the internet and I was like you know, my family can read this and they can see how we're doing and, and, and what I'm praying for and what my thoughts are today and how God, I feel like God's engaging with my situation right here with my son. I had no idea that me using that sat in the hospital room, trapped, not really able to go anywhere, was going to start leaking out into other areas of the country or the churches or the people, friends of friends and ultimately into other countries in the world. And I was gonna start getting messages back of people saying, as you're talking about your journey with your son, it's impacting me, it's impacting my faith. I had old school friends that I never thought I was ever gonna see again, get in contact with me and say, I've never prayed before, but I'm praying for your family. I was like, what? And my mind was going, Poof. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but when you guys were talking about how a lot of the jobs, the top, is it the top five jobs now um, didn't exist 10 years ago. And it's potentially that in the next 10 years, the top five most in-demand jobs won't yet exist. God is always doing a new thing. And if we're curious enough to say, God, what on earth is happening in this season? And how can I still be using my gifts and talents to serve you, even though my world looks completely different right now? And giving that over to him, who knows what could happen through that? I mean, it's how we met, isn't it? You guys, Claire stalked me on my, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then we, <laughs> we went to the same conferences and stuff. And yeah, I remember you and Lindsay coming over and having conversations, how you've been following it the whole time. So this is like this curiosity that says, I want to engage with who God is in the word of God. And I want to engage with what God's doing right now in the world and seeing what, 
just what God can do with that if we are the kind of people with those broad minds that ask the right questions. The other one was about a relationship with ourselves. So um, the, the podcast which has come out this week is all about cognitive dissonance. And this is a phrase I've been looking at a lot because I'm studying counselling right now. And it's too big to sum up, um, really. It's a massive topic. But I love, there was a phrase that Pete used, which was, it's the space between who I am now and who I want to be and the kind of the authentic self and he also said that is the space where we cry out to God it's like it's where God meets us he meets us right where we are now but when we see our lack when we see how far away we are from the kind of people that we know that we're supposed to be he's also in that as well he's in both um, a book that I'm currently reading, I meant to bring it with me so I could wave it at you, it's called Unwinding Anxiety by Judson Brewer. Um, the conclusion that he comes to about anxiety is that um, if we can apply curiosity into areas of our life where we feel anxious, we can change the habits that anxiety forms in our lives. So when we feel anxious, we tighten areas of our body constrict, our stomach, our muscles, and our minds tighten as well. We go into this kind of uh, self-preservation mode. We can only see what's right in front of us, can't see past it. That thing seems massive and big and overwhelming. If we can have this practice of curiosity, which he goes through in the book, how to apply that, curiosity widens things back up again. It broadens our horizons. It makes us ask questions it makes us engage with I wonder why I'm feeling this way I wonder what would happen if I did this right now it can reset the habits that we wrestle with um, if we're prepared to apply curiosity to see things differently it gives us an open and expansive experience that actually frees us from being stuck in that negative loop so if we can stop being harsh with ourselves in our relationship with ourselves and begin to be curious I wonder why I always default to that I wonder why I struggle in this area I wonder why that's the kind of thing that I keep going back over and over to we can actually find answers instead of that berating you're such an idiot why do you always do that why haven't you learned yet and the third thing is our relationship with one another so a couple of weeks ago um Matt and Lucy and I were on a, an online um like a little conference thing wasn't it for trauma-informed churches how can we help people who have been through trauma which is most of us um but also kind of different levels of trauma as well and how it affects us and the phrase that um that the lady used a lot particularly when it came to children is how do we react to when children present with different emotions if we can be curious and not furious oh yes not furious that's amazing so when people do things, they don't do it for no reason. When someone is grumpy or irrational or violent or whatever else, there's always a reason behind the thing that they are doing. Any self-destructive behavior, there's a reason behind it. And if we can begin to ask questions and say, I wonder why that person feels the need to act that way in this situation. Yes, we put up healthy boundaries. We don't say, oh, they're, they're excused. They can do what they want because this, this, and this. But if we ask the right questions, we can journey with them together to go deep, deep down to find out what it is that motivates them. We can develop our own um, understanding of community and what it's supposed to look like. 
how many of us, and I'm so guilty of this, find ourselves where we're comfortable around people and we withdraw because I'm like, oh, I don't really like their reactions. And we try and create a little space that we can engage with where we feel entirely comfortable. And church isn't like that, is it? Because we're all coming and we're all bringing our reactions, our experiences, our expectations. So how do we, instead of always retreating in order to find a place of safety, how do we stay engaged and create a place of safety for all of us? Curiosity. Like, what's your story? What have you been through? What motivates you? What gets you fired up? And asking all of these things. And these are massive, massive things. I feel like I'm just, I'm throwing all this stuff out. We're scratching the tip of the iceberg, but it all comes back to this idea of being curious. The word of God is full of people on their journeys who meet up with one another and inspire one another through curiosity. Paul in Acts 17, he turns up to this place in Athens and they're all worshiping different gods and they've all got these big ideas and knowledge. And he begins to talk to them about this unknown God that they worship. He feeds into their curiosity. He is curious about the gods they're worshiping, so he finds out more about it and he feeds into their curiosity as well. And the verse that, that follows that when Paul has spoken and, and kind of testified to who God is, it says, some shook their heads and scoffed always going to be the way doesn't matter how well you present things people are going to disagree but others were even more curious and some followed him and questions and the way we're willing to have conversations that we open up so that other people are inspired to want to come and be a part of those of those conversations that other people go this is a place I can come and ask any question I want to and nobody will think that I'm stupid or try and shut me down with the correct answer or put me in a box. But instead, they're going to lead me to something which fulfills so many of my desires, my thirst, the things I've been looking for my entire life. So that this morning, in a nutshell, is why I think we should be a community of curiosity. Let's just give this over to God. I'm going to pray over that right now um, and ask that that's something that God's going to put into our hearts. Father God, I thank you that you are a God of relationship. Thank you that you are a good father. Thank you, God, that you are intolerant of the things that are going to damage us, the things that are going to break us and, and lead us away from you, the things that are going to cause us trauma and hurt. But God, I thank you that you are so tolerant of the journey and the conversations that we need in order to fully engage with you and with one another. God, I pray right now against any arrogance that we carry in us that wants to shut things down or pull away or give easy answers because it fits with the experiences that we've had. And that, God, our minds would be so open to everything that your word has to offer that we would be willing every day to humble ourselves before you, to keep putting you at the center, to keep asking you the questions, to keep digging into your word, to keep putting you at the, the middle of everything that we do. And that within that God would flow these incredible, uh, incredible relationship with you that makes a difference in the lives of every single person around us. And God, for anybody that has felt shut down, or restricted, or um, like with the Pharisees, they've experienced religious people that have backed them into a corner, 
God, I just want to speak freedom over them right now. Freedom that is rooted in your truth. For not freedom as the world has it where you can do whatever you want, but freedom that's rooted in your truth. That means that when we see the light, it leads us to good places. And we ask for your healing to be present right now, for people to know you fully and to be on a healthy journey with you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.